In this episode, we speak with Niklas Luthman, founding partner of Nix. Based in Sweden, Nix develops better-for-you alternatives to popular sugar-packed and carb-loaded foods, such as confectionery, ice cream, snacks, and sweeteners. Nix seeks to eliminate the gap between indulgent and healthy through food innovation to empower more people to make better food choices. An entrepreneur with a mechanical engineering background, Nicholas became a self-taught food engineer in 2014 after having to change his diet and lifestyle. He worked with food scientists to develop a range of sugar, wheat, and gluten-free snacks that can be part of everyday life. The Nix range has become a permanent fixture in the Swedish confectionery aisles and also has a home in the U.S. I'm your host, RJ Lumba. We hope you enjoy the show. If you like the episode, click to subscribe. RJ Lumba is the managing partner of GrowthCap and the executive chairman of Market Insight Media. He is the host of Growth Investor, a podcast featuring today's best investors, executives, and founders. In the minutes ahead, we'll uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It's a delight to be with you. Thank you. So where I'd like to kick off is uh, your background, because it seems like you're involved in many different things. You're a serial entrepreneur. You seem to have a talent for uh, creating and building businesses. And we'll go into, we'll spend the majority of our time talking about Nix, the, the the food company that you have. But let's start at your first company, your first entrepreneurial endeavor. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's way back, way back. I was, I don't know. I mean, I had so many small ones when I was like in high school and that, but I can't count them. The, the the one that really I started was my first company was a consulting company in electronics uh, between first and second year at the Royal Institute of Technology. I was uh, doing some work for a company called Fawcett owned by Ericsson about computer printers, mechanical, the ones that have a little head with nails going. Yeah, that's that's my first company. So consulting, that's boring. Okay. Well, you know, what was interesting was I saw you are a part of a golf course design group or you're a a golf course related company, but then you're also a big distributor of major brands in the Nordic region. And then you have a food company. I'm sure there's, and and then I, I think you're also involved in music. So yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm a failed musician and I'm a failed uh, pro golfer, but I want to hang out with people that are really successful. So I, <laughs> I do these things from my perspective. Uh, I sometimes, when I'm lucky, I get to make the course that really good players take. And I was in Sweden a few weeks back, and actually, uh, we, with the whole family, was out looking at a new green that I designed before the pandemic that had grown in. So I was really happy about that. But I don't really have time for these things now, but it's fun to be able to do them. Funny, I was just thinking, I'm throwing an event in in Aspen, Colorado next week. And and what you said really resonated with me. I just like to hang out with successful people. Another way of saying is I like to hang out with people who inspire me that are building their own businesses or, or creating something new. It seems like to do that, you can be involved in a lot of different things. I'm curious as to 
yeah, how you were able to go into these different areas. Was it purely, I thought that would be cool, and so I did it? No, first of all, very solid foundation scientifically. So my mom uh, is a physics teacher. My dad was on the Swedish nuclear program, so they are very... Uh, my dad was fantastic at explaining complicated uh, scientific uh, yeah, situations for me. I, I knew when I was really young how to make things. That, that's a good ground to be on. You, you don't think that you're, uh, it's, anything is impossible because my dad explained everything. My mom wasn't so bad either, but uh, both of them really, that, that was nurturing me as trying out stuff. And, mm-hmm. and it was really like, yeah, I was in Sweden with my 90-year-old mom a while back. And when I was four, I walked about a mile to uh, kindergarten every day. And, I mean, who does that today alone? Walks as a four-year-old to kindergarten. And they were completely confident that I, I could do it. And then if, it, gets, it gets easy when, I guess I was lucky, maybe a lion could have eaten me or something. Too, but, you know. and, and so now with your latest endeavor, uh, which you've been running for over a decade now, Nix, very successful at scaling, you're backed by some key investors, you've raised a good amount of money. Tell us about the story behind it, why you decided to start the company and, and, and what it provides to people. Yeah, <clears throat> I think most of my uh, entrepreneurial Ventures, they start with me seeing something that I'm not happy with. I, I, I built the golf course because I think that most golf courses suck where I live. So I, we needed to build our own. And it's a little bit the same. Uh, when I understood that my diet was completely off, I read everything I could about diet. That was, that was about 40,000 pages. And, and I really understood one thing, that nutritional science is the worst science in the history of science. Nobody really knows anything. <laughs> and 10 years ago, there started to be some real science coming up and uh, lots of self-experimenting. I have very bad insulin sensitivity, meaning I, I should really be a fully developed type 2 di- diabetic now. But I keep, uh, I keep the, the, the carbohydrates really low in my diet. And therefore, my long-time blood glucose, the H1C, is uh, it's actually just under the pre-diabetic level, which is like, do a glucose test on me, and it skyrockets. I, my insulin sensitivity is so bad, and still I can suppress my long-term blood glucose to a normal, almost normal level. And when I realized I could do stuff like that, it's like, yeah, I still love sodas, I still love chocolate, I still love ice cream, I still love all these things, especially energy bars. I used to gobble down, down like five a day. When you're an entrepreneur and you look at the watch, it's like, I can't make uh, lunch today. I, what, what's in my drawer? So I was eating all of those. And at that time, they were really packed with sugar. and That didn't help me. So I started making all these things. Yeah, it's. Uh, but, but I also realized, as always, I, I'm sort of a wannabe food scientist that I couldn't really do this on my own. It, 
it didn't matter how many pages I was reading. I was too far behind to really understand how how to make a food product. So I, I of course, went back to my old school and was hanging out with really good people. And here we go. We, we have a fantastic science team now. So, and how long did it take before you came up with the product and said, okay, this is ready to be sold to others? The sold that took me about two days because it's so easy. Uh, but then making that, that's a different story. Taking that to market is like, uh, soda distribution, who has the biggest uh, network of trucks? It's one thing to come up with a fantastic product. I was very naive because in electronics, where I come from, if you have the best product, it will figure out how to sell itself because people want more of everything at but but the food industry you don't even get the meeting with the, with a buyer because you have the best product. It's like you have to have the best everything, the best marketing budget, the best product, the best distribution, packaging. So much more complex than anything I ever did before. Mm-hmm. But would you say it, it took you two days to come up with the product? I mean, you have some unique ingredients, and yeah, so that's so easy. So, so easy. When it comes to other ice cream, is difficult. And healthy chocolate, depending on how you define healthy, chocolate is amazingly complicated. I mean, cacao butter is six different fats. They all crystallize in very peculiar ways. And if if you don't know what you're doing, that the chocolate will never even be. Uh, be a block it will be amorphous it, it, it won't crystallize so stuff like that that that's complicated chemistry okay i shouldn't talk about chemistry it's we're doing food here and people have uh, really mixed feelings about when you talk about chemistry but frying egg and and you see how much chemistry is happening there it's almost impossible to analyze everything that goes on but mm-hmm. yeah it's some products are really easy some are really, really hard. I think we focus on the hard ones because uh, competition is uh, less fierce. And I think right now we, we're working on some pretty phenomenal protein bars mm-hmm. and uh, with completely new technologies in there. And uh, these ones are probably going to be gobbling up five a day too. <laughs> Which, uh, which is your best-selling product? What people don't know in the U.S. is that we have a big confectionery business in uh, Europe. They've probably seen our ice cream. Uh, we now make also stick ice cream, novelties as it's called. So we make pints and sticks. The sticks are just coming out, 50 calories for, uh, for one ice cream. I think that's nobody's even close to that. Uh, and it's a full rich ice cream. But then in the U.S., I think people are finding out that we also have bars. I think we passed our 12 million uh, protein bars sold in the U.S., which is nothing in the country of 330 million. But at least we're starting to move some, some product. And, uh, but then in Europe, where we have a lot of confectionery, I'm of course looking at the U.S. to see what we can do with confectionery. But as, as always, it's, it's like you might have fantastic confectionery. 
where are they going to have it in the store? If, if it gets put by other confectionery, people don't really understand it's healthy confectionery. You put it in the bar section, you don't have as much protein as the guys in the bar section. So what, what you can't create the completely, unless you're a very big food company, you, you can't have them put up a shelf for your stuff. So it has to fit in. And these things, when you come from electronics, as I do, it takes a while to understand, like, well, we have a great product. People should buy it. Online, it's different. On, online, all these things make sense. You can, can have ice cream next to chocolate, next to confectionery, because people that like this style of life with low carbohydrates and, and low calories, they, they will get attracted to it. And you can look at the same page and that stuff is. But in a store, oof, complicated. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the stories of when uh, those milk alternatives were being sold and uh, they're shelf stable so they could be sold in any given aisle, but the so the sales levels were so low and, and it, it really uh, boggled the minds of these companies. And so they switched it over to selling it in the dairy section, which changed everything. So I, I understand what you're, you know, you're saying you have to have the right positioning on the shelf it's hard to create your own category unless you're a huge a huge business so are, are you driving a lot of your sales online yeah from time to time okay during the pandemic we were supposed to be on shelf in i think about four thousand stores like march or what was it april one i think we were supposed to be in four thousand stores so they were in the middle of the reset and then uh, the pandemic hit, and uh, all they did was unpacking frozen pizza. Because when the world comes to an end, everybody wants frozen pizza, right? So all the, the they, they basically made a lot of frozen pizza shelf space in ice cream, and, and our products didn't come out at all on the shelves. So we had to go online and sell it, and, and for a while we were the... the Biggest uh, brand selling ice cream on uh, online of shipped on dry ice. I wasn't too excited because it isn't the, the most environmentally friendly way of shipping dry ice. Uh, I, I, but we sold a lot of ice cream and we had to do it, otherwise, the brand wouldn't have existed. I mean, we. We sold millions of pints shipped mm -hmm. on dry ice. Now, tell us about your decision to bring in outside investors, and and then we'll talk about a little bit about your investors and how they add value to your organization. Okay, I was through a very uh, grueling venture capital uh, or private equity. Uh, I wouldn't call it experiment, but I mean, okay, I, I started a business when I was very very young. And we took it extremely successfully to, I think we were at like 40, 50 million dollar revenue. And all of a sudden, private equity wants to come into that industry. <laughs> and when, when and you build something, you don't have liquid assets. And somebody comes in with tens of millions of dollars in your little industry and starts buying companies, start consolidating them and all that. It, it doesn't really matter if what they're doing is based on 
very bad strategies because you have to fight them. And as a cash flow positive small company that relies on being cash flow positive, somebody comes in and they don't have to be cash flow positive for years and start buying up uh, competitors of yours, then you might have to join. You have to sell out partly. What I regret was that I didn't sell everything 100%. So I was sitting there in something where, where I was a minority owner, disagreeing on most of the acquisitions and things that we made. And so this time I wanted it to be completely different because I realized in food you need solid funding. And without it, you, you don't stand a chance. Whatever I, I and Carl, my, my co-founder, could muster, I mean, it, wouldn't, it would take us 30 years to, to reach any size, and we don't have that time. So what I did was really, really make a solid due diligence on everybody that invested. So I, I really wanted to know that it was good investors and uh, that we shared the same visions for the future. And that has really worked for us. And I also think yeah, Swedish investors are usually really good. That's the backbone of our company. I would say three Swedish venture capital, private equity firms. I think those values are the least greedy that I met, the least short-sighted, the most... Uh, there is really something with Swedish private equity and the venture capital. It's a very big difference. It's Sweden is a small country. You can't screw anybody over because then you don't get to make a deal again because everybody would know. So everybody has to behave, but also it's something in the philosophy. Uh, we agree about the same set of facts in a way that sometimes the guy with the most money in some cultures has the right to set the facts and bend the facts. And that doesn't happen in Sweden. Um, in Sweden, we agree about the facts and then we discuss. Um, it's not like, not, not the guy with the biggest pockets gets to call the shots. It's just because you have the most money, okay. You have a lot of influence, but you also have to make your case to argument so it makes sense. And we have this rule now in the company that everything we do has to make sense. And this goes from the top all the way to every person in the company. I really said, if you're making a decision about something that doesn't make sense to you, I mean, just you have to alert everybody else that it's very, very simple. Mm -hmm. That's uh, very interesting. Culturally, there, there's a difference between investors uh, from, say, the Nordic e region versus maybe Western Europe versus the U.S. I, I mean, are you able to pick up on the, the differences between these different firms? Because I would, ar I would argue that you can find investors in the U.S. Uh, or, or other parts of Europe that are aligned with your values and being long-term oriented yeah i think i think we've been good at that we've been we've been good at finding investors that yeah i feel good about we don't have uh, too many conflicts between the investors you need some tough guys too we, you really do it's like you can't just let the founder or the ceo run away with the company and run it like if it was just theirs 
you, you have to have somebody coming in, set down the foot, and, and it's like, it's not okay with these markets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, I can say, I should be able to explain why the margins aren't there. To say, like, it's because we don't have the same factory as a big ice cream company or something. You know, it's just, you have to talk about the facts and agree about the facts. I'm curious, when you mentioned your previous experience with private equity coming into your market and, and out-competing the smaller players, is there something you would have done differently during that time? You know, not necessarily just partnering up with a private equity firm, but maybe some strategic moves as an entrepreneur, or was it just that you can't compete when when you have big money coming in i should have sold 100 percent of the company and not like yeah taking a majority share in equity as i did that's a learning unless you feel that you are really really aligned with long-term goals and you trust the people uh, that's coming in as soon as you're in minority then your life change hugely i don't think i could have fought the, the capital inflow that was coming in. They would have bought somebody else. I would have survived, I think, or the company we would have had survived. It would have taken maybe five, six, seven years. So, uh, okay, the company I had was cash flow positive for 20 years, every year, growing cash flow positive. But all the cash was in, in a bigger warehouse, more stuff. Uh, so it wasn't that I was sitting on a dry gunpowder. I was sitting on a giant uh, inventory. So I think when 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 you when you see that type of competition, and I th this is one I am firm believer in capitalism, but this is a form of capitalism that's new when you have so much cash that you can go in. And I hate that word disrupt because usually disrupt means that. Somebody pours in so much money and it's not a level playing field because a company that's been around for a long time, doing everything right, growing slowly, putting the money back into the business all of a sudden, somebody steps in with a giant amount of free cash and just totally brings havoc into a system that is serving consumers because that's what it is about. We're selling stuff, we're making stuff to serve consumers. Somebody steps in and just pours money, sometimes on a really horrid, horrible company, and you can make the horrible company take over through marketing and distribution. And boom, the, the products that should have been on the shelf are off the shelf. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a little bit um, concerning to me, especially Especially when it comes like I heard something like some somebody was undercutting every bid for school buses or something because they had the money to put everybody else out of business. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? That's it's it's not their plan, of course, to provide school bus services under cost for the complete future. It's the plan is to disrupt everybody, force everybody else out of business, and then three years down the road you double the prices. I think right. you see a bit of this now in rental cars. Mm -hmm. I rented the car last year. Somebody mm -hmm. came in and bought hertz for pennies to the dollars. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else raised prices. It's, this is not good for the consumer. I want to do things that are good for the consumer. Right, right. Um, 
you know, we're we're coming up on time. I have two uh, questions I'd like to end the conversations with. But before we get there, can you tell us about maybe your one or two key insights to being successful in business and 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 scaling businesses? Oh wow! Yeah. First question is: Are you a real entrepreneur? If you think you are, it's a lot of gut feel, but to get that gut feel, it requires so much work, so much reading, so much education, so much everything where you can just gobble up knowledge, try really, really hard at things. And, and here's one thing that I think could be a good uh, piece of advice. If, if you have a kid that's passionate about something, it doesn't matter what she or he is passionate about. Nurture that passion because if, if somebody tries really hard at ballet dancing, maybe you will not become a ballet dancer, but you learn how to be really disciplined and try hard. So you can take all that to another industry or, well, another activity and maybe put all that input effort in a, a job somewhere. Just start and use that energy. So passion is driving everything for me. That that's what I'm I'm saying. That's the most important thing. Be passionate about about something, and you can channelize that to something else. It's a wonderful insight. Okay, final two questions. One is, can you tell us about a person who has had a profound impact on you in your life? There are a few. I wish I had a mentor. It's always been people that are re really talented at something, and it doesn't matter so much because I get so inspired and I get pulled in and I want to be friends with such people and there are so many that, uh, that that has this passion and there is something called the Founders Alliance in Sweden where founders meet and you get so much energy from it doesn't matter what these people do it could be a guy or a girl or a guy usually means he or she and that deals with air conditioning or something, an expert in air conditioning and can talk passionately about air conditioning and you get pulled in because you're, you're excited. I mean, if somebody is passionate about something, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like microbes in the soil, whatever it is. You, I, I, I get fascinated. And then I'm thinking, can I get this passionate about the business that we are doing? Yeah, that's that, that's a very very good forum for passionate people. I'm really happy to be in it. I, I also meet uh, met uh, our uh, main lead investor to that forum. Mm -hmm. I would I would regard uh, the Goldsprung as uh, financial entrepreneurs. That's why they are in that forum because they are sort of honorary entrepreneurs. Got it. So so the requirement is that you're a, you're a founder or entrepreneur of some sort. Yeah. Okay, interesting. And, and then, then we have these hangarounds like, uh, like uh, the good sponsors. Uh, but I, they are founders too. I mean, they, they founded this fantastic fund that's a partner in Nix. So. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Last question is, can you tell us about a charity, cause, or other endeavor that you're passionate about? I'm just doing a little bit here and a little bit there. I, I used to have this thing that when, when I buy myself something new, a new car or a new set of golf clubs or something, I donate to some kind of charity. It makes me feel better about 
overconsumption. And actually, directly after this call, I'm going to do a charitable contribution. It's the, the good thing in Sweden is that a lot of this is taken care of. You don't have to spend a lot of time going to some cocktail party at the zoo because they're buying a new rhino and you're expected to do a silent auction or something that you don't want. And all of a sudden you walk away thousand dollars less in your pocket and you have a pillow that somebody made that you think look awful and you're thinking, who am I going to give this one to? In Sweden, we are more efficient. It counts on your tax bill. And I don't mind paying taxes in Sweden because it saves time. Okay. That's a good, I mean, it's a good answer. Um, it's, it's the efficiency of being where you are and, and understanding where those tax dollars are, are, are going. Well, Nick, I want to thank you again for, for taking the time. This has been a great conversation. I, I certainly got a lot of insights out of this, and I'm sure our audience uh, will too as well. I hope so. Thanks a lot. 